Would you turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 2, please? Thank you for the beautiful music this morning and the challenges we have received from those messages in song. Hebrews chapter 2. Certainly our hearts were blessed this past week as we experienced revival and encouragement and strength. Men who have been called by God from among us to go and preach the word. And they came back and preached to us. And I'll tell you, our hearts got full and blessed. And the gospel music and singing of Bob, Bud and Barbara Lee. And then Wednesday night, by surprise, David Gifford came. And he shared with us just before Kevin Ham brought the closing message in that series of meetings. And we thank the Lord for all God's goodness. We've launched into the 41st year now. And so we're in the second 40 years of the ministry of this church. And our greatest days are before us. But there's a reminder in the Word of God that we need to listen to carefully. It's from Hebrews chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, and remember when you see the word therefore, you ask, what is the therefore, therefore? It connects what's going to be said with what has just been said. It's a connecting word. In the original passages of Scripture, there were no divisions of chapters. And so... Uh, The writer was just riding along. He came through verse 14, went immediately to the next passage. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Now, chapter 1 speaks of the fact that God in past times spoke through his prophets. But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has made heir of all things. And then he says concerning the Son of God, he is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now that speaks of Jesus. And on the basis of the fact that God at one time spoke through the prophets. But now he has spoken through his son. And this son of God is the express image of the person of God. In other words, it's God himself speaking to us. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip or slip by. The word heed means to pay attention to. And the word picture is something floating or slipping by the harbor of safety. A ship approaching the harbor 
comes in and if the lights are not lined up correctly, it could easily miss the harbor and go toward the rocky clefts and destroy the ship. And so the whole book of Hebrews, especially five exhortations, are to God's people to be careful. Not to avoid hell, because that was settled when you gave your heart to Christ. But to avoid a wasted life. To avoid the consequences of neglect. Notice he says, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. The law of God was mediated to us by angels. If you read carefully the book of Hebrews and the book of Exodus <clears throat> and Leviticus, you will find that when Moses went up into the mountain to receive the law, the law was mediated by angels. And so the author here is saying, if the very word spoken by angels was so valuable and so important that every transgression of that law received a just recompense of reward, <clears throat> how shall we, that is believers, God's people, escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now at once, we understand this passage has a tremendous principle to the unsaved. If you're here today without Christ, <clears throat> you've never been saved. The book is saying, how shall we escape the consequences of neglecting the great salvation that is in Christ? There is no other way home. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. It is not the church way. It's not the Baptist way or the Catholic way or the Methodist way or some other way. It's the way of the cross. Amen. Christ died for the ungodly. The glorious salvation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. It is the power, the dunamis of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. And when he used that word dunamis, <clears throat> He was not speaking of, of dynamite as we understand it. He's talking about dunamis power. That is the explosive power that is in a seed. Man. You put a seed in the ground, it looks like the seed dies. For all practical purposes, it does. It just sort of disintegrates. And then the earth and the moisture and the water and the sunshine of God all beam on that seed it breaks apart and begins to grow. Man. And that's what happens when the seed of God is planted in the human heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ explodes into forgiveness, a new name written down in heaven, Man. a new heart, a new ambition, a new desire, a new way of life, and a new home forever. Man. <clears throat> so without Christ, there is none of that. And so he's saying, by principle, how shall those who are lost escape if we neglect so great salvation? But the real nitty-gritty truth of this verse has to do with believers. 
God's people. And he's saying, if the word spoken by angels was so important, and every transgression received a just recompense and reward, how shall we who are inheritors of this great salvation escape if we neglect so great salvation? <clears throat> what does the word neglect mean? It means to ignore. It means to disregard, to fail to attend to, to leave undone. There are many things we neglect. <clears throat> Sometimes students neglect their studies. This is back to school day, and tomorrow all the students will be back in school. Uh, grade school, junior high, high school, Western University students will all be going back to school. <clears throat> Most of us are in school all the time anyway. We're learning every day. But what a tragedy it is to neglect our studies. Let me give you just this one little thought, students. Tomorrow, when you go to school, sit at the front of the classroom. Amen. That's right. Don't sit in the back. That's right. Listen to everything the teacher says and take notes. I guarantee you, you won't have to study nearly as hard if you'll do that. It'll cut your study time 50%. Just sit there and take notes. Listen to everything that's said. If you don't understand something, raise your hand. Ask questions. The teacher will like that. Man. When they give homework, before you go out to play or play ball or do whatever you do, go to see your neighbor and friends and so on, sit down and do your homework first. Man. Don't wait till you're worn out and tired and exhausted and fatigued and say, well, I'm going to get up early the next morning and do it, and you never get it done. Do your homework first. Then you'll have several hours of just having fun. And you'll have a free conscience and you won't have to say, oh my, that awful homework I gotta go in there and do after a while. And you stay up late and you get your parents to try to help you because you're so sleepy you can't stay awake to do it. <laughs> if you'll do that, you can make A's. I guarantee you. No reason in the world for people to make D's and F's in school if you'll study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And this scripture says, how shall we escape if we neglect, neglect our studies? A lot of times, we, sometimes we neglect our health rules. And we go to a doctor and a doctor saying, if you'd come six months ago, everything would be all right. But there's not much I can do now. We neglect our health rules. And we need to watch that and be on the ball about taking care of this tabernacle this body Man. in which God has let us live. Sometimes we neglect words of kindness. Man. That's right. Expressions of goodness to people. You know, one of the most wicked sins we're guilty of is the sin of ingratitude. That's right. People Man. do things for us and we seldom say thank you. That's right. How often do you go up and tell our organist, I appreciate the way you Man. played the organ right. today. Appreciate your faithfulness. Amen. How often do you go to Richie Ham or the ushers and say, thank you for giving Man. us the bulletins and right. taking care of things? You know, they run interference in the auditorium. Amen. And they have a thankless task. If they stand at the door and block the door so you can't get out, you say, I don't like that. I want to get out when I want to get out. And the ushers are doing you a favor to help you stay right. in the worship service. Amen. You know, Dr. Jack Hiles at First Baptist Church in Hammond, you know what he does? He has his ushers lock the doors when he starts to preach. They don't get unlocked till he quits preaching. And he says, I do that to give, do you a favor so you can stay there and hear the preaching. Man. How often do you go up to the ushers and say, thank you for your good job? How often do you go to the deacons and say, thank you 
for ministering in our church and ministering to shut-ins and visiting in the hospitals and visiting the unsaved and being faithful in the work of God. How often do we express our gratitude? Do you go to your mother or daddy and say, thank you for all you've met? You know, there are some people in the auditorium this morning or within the sound of my voice who before the day is over need to make a long distance phone call and thank somebody Amen. for their graciousness to you. Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect? And what do you mean by escape what? I've stood at funeral after funeral after funeral and heard people come by and stand at that last moment with the open casket and say, oh, I wish I had told you I loved you. Oh, I wish I'd called you more often. I wish I'd visited you more often. Oh, I wish I'd told you how much you mean to me. And they weep and weep and weep. For right. death is always hard. And the best, no matter how often we tell somebody we love them, it's very, very hard when we come to that last moment. Man. But I want to tell you, it's very, very, very much more difficult if you've gone through life and never expressed appreciation. Right. How shall we escape if we neglect these words of expression and kindness and goodness to people. How shall we escape if we neglect another's soul? I meant to go see Joel. I planned to do it. Didn't get it done. Suddenly I pick up the paper one morning and read in the obituaries, Joel's gone. And I feel in my heart, oh, I wish I had gone. I know of a land where the streets are paved with things we meant to achieve, walled with money we meant to have saved and the pleasures for which we grieve. Kind words unspoken, promises broken, and many a coveted boon are gathered there in that land somewhere, the land of pretty soon. There uncut jewels of possible fame are lying about in the dust, and many a noble and lofty aim are covered with mud and rust, and oh, this place while it seems so near is farther away than the moon. Though purpose is fair, we'll not get there to the land of pretty soon. The road that leads to that mystic land is strewn with pitiful wrecks. The ships that sailed for its shining strand bear skeletons on their decks. It's farther at noon than it was at dawn, and farther at night than at noon. Oh, let us beware of that land down there, the land of pretty soon. I plan to do it, but I'll never get it done. How shall we escape if we neglect? Seventeen teens commit suicide every day. 1,282 illegitimate children are born every day. 4,850 children run away from home every day. 6,900 teens contract venereal disease every day. 4,000 little babies are murdered in their mother's womb every day. How shall we escape if we neglect taking a stand that Man. would reverse those trends? Man. And then as we think of our church, we're in our 41st year. How shall we escape if we neglect the worship of the Lord? In Hebrews chapter 10, the scripture says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. 
Sometimes we have the understanding that worship and prayer don't mean very, very much. That's a very serious and sad thing when a little boy has to have attention riveted on him by the whole congregation because he sits over and talks. Fellow, you're my friend. I've been in your home. Don't do that anymore. Okay? God bless you. You think I'm mean, don't you? How many of you vote to say, let's ask everybody to quit talking? Amen? Or we just voted on it, so kids, remember that. We just voted on it. That's a good example. I love you. Nobody's mad at you, but don't do that anymore. God bless you. All right. Now, how shall we escape if we neglect the worship of the Lord? When we come together and sing, we're praising the Lord. That is important. You know, some people wait and come in church when the singing's over. I've watched it. They come in, we start our service about 10 minutes to 11, and some people come in about quarter after 11. Now, I understand occasionally that happens. Some people driving from out of town, I'm thankful they come, get here, that's great. But habitually, I've seen people just walk in late all the time. There's no reason for that. They don't do it at work. If your work is at 8 o'clock in the morning, how would your employer like it if every morning you came at 8.15 or 8.30 or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock? And you say, well, I just tell you, didn't think the first part was very important. <laughs> when we worship the Lord, it's, big, it's important when the organ starts playing and the choir starts singing. And we come in here praising the Lord. Oh, worship the King, oh, glorious above, and joyfully sing His wonderful love. Let's be on time at the worship of the Lord. And then the power of prayer. How shall we escape if we neglect to pray? The power of prayer. Prayers are words and thoughts directed heavenward. It's good to be fervent in prayer. It's good to weep when you pray. But you don't have to do that to pray. Some people have the idea that the only praying that is effectual is if you're worked up in some great emotional heat and you're weeping and you're crying and you're putting your hands up. That's wonderful. Praise God for that. But all kinds of prayer God hears. That's right. Amen. The little tiny prayer when you're lying in bed sick. You can't even put your knees on the floor. And you cry out to God. God hears that. Amen. You're driving down the road and you're asking God for safety. God hears that. You get in your closet. There's nobody there but you. And you direct your prayers toward God. God hears that. Prayer is the most potent weapon in the arsenal of a believer. Prayer is the most important weapon in the arsenal of the believer. How shall we escape if we neglect? How can we tell? How many tragedies have occurred because we didn't pray? How can we tell how many people have gotten well and are strong and have gone into the service of the Lord because we prayed? Sometimes we think our prayers are in vain. Never, never has there been a prayer directed from the soul to God that was in vain. God heard it. How shall we escape if we neglect to pray? How shall we escape if we neglect to tell the message? Get the word out. The awful tragedy of unsaved souls. You know, when, when, the, when I go by the funeral homes and read the epitaphs in the obituary column, I've lived in this town a long time. 
And almost always I ask myself, did I have an opportunity to witness to that person? Do I know where they're going to spend eternity? Let's all ask ourselves that question. I want to tell you it's the business of Glendale Baptist Church to know where people are going to spend eternity. Amen. That's our business. That's our main business. If we fail at everything else, but we succeed at that, we've done what God wanted. If we fail at that and succeed in every other thing, we failed. Getting the message out. Weeping over the unsaved. Lifting up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. You win a little child to Jesus. Oh, what a blessing. You know, how many in this room were saved before you were nine years old or before you were ten years old? Lift your hands. You were saved before you were ten years old. Just look at that. Man. Lots of folks. Man. Saved before they were ten. I was one of them too. I gave my heart to Jesus. My dad thought I was too young to know what I was doing. I knew. I date my, my experience back to the second Sunday in August, 1939. Fifty-six years ago last Sunday. I gave my heart to Christ. Amen. I was a little boy. Jesus will save at any age. I thank God that a preacher took time to come out and see a little boy. Amen. Listen, no visit you make is in vain. Sometimes on Thursday nights at visitation we'll give out <clears throat> little slips. And sometimes those are children. And I had a man say to me one day, well, I'm not going to go visit kids. Give me some adults. That's wonderful. Nothing wrong with visiting adults. There's nothing wrong with visiting kids either. Amen. That's right. Any age group needs Jesus. And I think if that man had not come and talked to me person to person about how to be saved, I didn't trust Christ that day. I don't know whether I would have been saved or not because he explained how to do it. Right. I didn't do it, but I knew how. Thank God for that. How shall we escape if we neglect getting the message out? How shall we escape if we neglect sacrificial giving? In the past years of our church, one thing that has made this church a great church has been sacrifice on the part of people. We were in a campaign one time to give and we were trying to visit every member and two of our men went to visit a widow lady who didn't have much. And they thought, well, we're not going to ask her to give anything. We'd just have prayer with her. We'd put out a church paper bulletin saying that we were going to visit her in every home and give people an opportunity to give. So those men prayed with that dear lady and got up to leave. And she said, wait a minute. I thought you were going to give me an opportunity to give something. Amen. Oh, they said, uh, you probably couldn't do that. She said, I have my envelope already made out. Amen. I want you to take this. Not very much, but here it is. And she gave to God $2. Amen. Sacrificial giving. Every little boy, every little girl, every teenager, every man, every woman, we're going to, get to give, going to give an account to God of what we've done with the money He gave us. And we, how shall we escape if we neglect to give to God that which is His own? How shall we escape if we neglect a concern about people around the world, missions around the world, 
Thank God the heart, the church has had a heart for missions. These missionary flags represent in the 40th year of the church's life, our concern about a world in need of the gospel. And as we enter this 42nd, 41st year, we're having Harold Cathy come tonight, a missionary to Uganda, and speak to our hearts at the training unit hour at six o'clock. Don't miss it. Harold Cathy was a wonderful pastor, great evangelist, great preacher. He stirs your heart, and God called him to Uganda. And he's gone over there, and hundreds and hundreds have been saved, and they've planted a number of churches during this ministry. God help us to give sacrificially to a world in need of the gospel. It is my prayer and the prayer of many of us that one day we'll be able to give 50% of everything that comes in to a world in need of Christ. Gene Williams called me the other day and invited me again to come to the Philippines in January to conduct a crusade and to help our church start a church over there. The same week, Bay Kuksan called me again and said, would you come to Korea? Takoi has asked me to come to Japan. If I get to go, it will be this church going. Man. It will be this church undergirding a ministry over there, getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth. How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect to create an atmosphere where the called can hear the call of God? Amen. That's right. Oh, thank God for the men and women who have sat where we sit and have heard the gospel call Amen. and have heard the challenge of the Holy Spirit and have said, here am I, Lord, send me, use me. Amen. And God has put his hand on them. Men and women who have walked down these aisles and stood at the front of here, and then they've gone out to preach. Wasn't it a blessing this past week when several of those came back to preach to us? And there are others. There are young people right over here that God wants to use to preach, to go as missionaries. There are young people right in here that God is putting his hand on. He wants you to go and serve him and be faithful in all things and to get the gospel out. The devil knows the time is short, and so he tries his best to divert your attention and get your attention on something else. But I want to tell you, God is moving in your heart. God is calling you. He has his hand on some that are in this room right now. I looked at the list the other, yesterday, last night, of the 264 people who have gone from our church to heaven. 264 of us. A whole congregation used to sit where we sit. They're over there now. And you know why they're there? Because one day they walked down an aisle and said, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. How shall we escape if we neglect to give our heart to Christ? There's no escape forever and forever. Listen, if you register your decision today to say no to God, it will be a forever decision. You may walk out of here lost and die and spend eternity in hell. And you look back and remember the Glendale Baptist Church on August the 20th issued you an invitation to come to Christ. And you said, no, not today, some other day, not now. How shall we escape if we neglect that? I urge you, come to Christ just as you are and yield to his will. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God in all of its power and authority, reminding us to not neglect this great salvation in Christ. Have thine own way in Jesus' name. Amen.